when the Buddha taught the Four Noble Truths, certainly he knew what he was doing, or Or his jitta did, his awakeness did. And what is the Buddha's awakeness, the Buddha's jitta? He says, uh, you can't really describe in any normal ways, but uh, one, one term that's used is uh, the Tathagata, the thus gone one, the one who's completed his work. Also, the thus come one, the one who's brought that work into the world, results of that work into the world, the Tathagata. He often didn't generally refer to himself as Buddha, he referred to himself as Tathagata. Um, and this is the Tathagata dwells with a citta unrestricted by form, unrestricted by feeling, unrestricted by perception unrestricted by sankharas, unrestricted by consciousness, unrestricted by birth, ageing, suffering, sickness and death. The Tathagata dwells with jitta, unrestricted. It's just, you, you kind of hear things like that and it just makes you feel good, it makes me feel good anyway. <laughs> unrestricted jitta. So, oh, what's a jitta? Well, <laughs> what we generally experience as a jitta is jitta bounded, boundary by anxiety, boundary by fear, uh, swept up by happiness, moved along by eagerness, skillful or unskillful. We experience the way the jitta is being moved, uh, carried, uh, held, uh, lifted agitated, stirred. You never really can see it as an object. Name it as an object because it is the subject. It's the supreme subject, you could say. It still makes it sound like a thing, but that's the way it works. You could say intelligence, um, intuitive awareness, draw all kinds of words at it. But you know you're moved. You know you're saddened. You know you're restricted. You know you're, and you know you're uh, oppressed, and you know you suffer. And uh, and that goes for everyone. It's not personal. You can make a personal interpretation of it. I suffer because of my birth, my age, my body, my family, my job. and so on, but you suffer because the jitta is restricted by form, feeling, perception, sankhara, consciousness. That's why we suffer. (laughs) And why we don't get past it is because we take it personally, try to resolve it in the world of circumstances, get a, a new job, get a healthier, get a different partner, go somewhere else. And uh, that doesn't work. You can run all around the world and uh, 
was the Buddha talking to a, a deva who has super fantastic powers who could cover the world, the entire planet, in two or three strides. It's so powerful. And uh, the Buddha says, you don't get to the end of the world by doing that. You get to the end of the world by, uh, by knowing where it is, the real world that captures you, that holds you. It's in this very body, with its consciousness, perceptions and feelings, is the world, the arising of the world, the ceasing of the world, and the way that leads to the end of the world. In this very body, perceptions, consciousness and feelings, that the Devata sat back for a while, thought about that one. <laughs> but it really, you see how brilliantly it just brings it all back. This world was spun out in, the history was spun out in, and the stories were spun out in, and the personal descriptions were spin out in. The spinning world about mental perceptions, and it just brings it right back there. <laughs> What is your jitta restricted by? What's it feel like? So as we, um, you know, cultivate the Dharma, jitta, some urge for change, some urge to deal with alliance, some urge to clarify or to purify or to something as nature arises we can't always put a, a name around it it's an instinctive intuitive search <coughs> that arises it doesn't happen for everybody which is interesting so see you know even this process of awakening has a certain unfathomable logic to it unfathomable why is it that you know, you're interested, but your sister isn't. You know, or you're, you know. Because, in fact, in terms of jitta, brothers and sisters aren't—they're not flesh and they're not—they're not brothers and sisters of the blood. That's a different thing. Real, true brothers and sisters are the brothers and sisters of the jitta. So you find yourself gathering for this. This is your strange family. You share time together, ate together, uh, got annoyed with each other together, felt sorry for each other, <laughs> probably had all kinds of strange emotions going on about each other. Family life. <laughs> and hopefully you feel some happiness with each other too. And some sense of we're all in this together. This is the nature of chitta, brings people together, different kinds, nationalities, types, and so forth. And this is a marvelous thing to see. You don't have to be the same nation, same culture, same personality, same age, it doesn't matter. It's beyond that. You know, the chitta searches for the end of restriction. There's no point putting restriction in terms of age. That's a restriction. Nationality, that's a restriction. Yeah. Gender, that's a restriction. 
personality type, that's a restriction. And to dwell unrestricted, you have to just, you know, see this and not get stuck in it. And for sure, when we cultivate awakening, the first thing we awaken to is dukkha. That's sort of re-appetizing, does it? So generally, when you go to a, sign up for a retreat, it says retreat led by so-and-so, chance to deepen into Dhamma, have some teachings, path towards joy. They should always put on the head of it, this is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> In case you didn't know. <laughs> this is going to hurt in places you didn't know hurt. <laughs> This thing to touch into those old uh, memories and things that were of the past. And these things to touch into those old habits you thought were finished or you know, reveal things that you didn't really know about. Reveal what you don't know. We don't know what the body is, really. We just see this thing moving around, take it for granted, put food in it, wash it, clothe it. You don't know what body is until you feel this living, pulsing, vibrant, intelligent uh, experience. You can sense and feel wonderfully buoyant and bright. And uh, energy's moving through it. We didn't know what a body was. That's what we didn't know. We didn't really know what attention was. We thought attention was just focusing on a few words or not. Ideas. You know, attention could be something that could flex, step back, hold something for a long time, steadily, without adding to it. Normal attention just jumps one second to the next. Dip, 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 dip. Didn't know that attention could just linger, stay with something and receive it. We didn't know that. Didn't know what attention was. Attention was. We always thought that effort was more the better. We didn't realize effort sometimes has to be extremely gentle. Just the effort to sustain, stay with, bear with, relax, want, you know, suffuse with the quality of goodwill. We really know that. We always thought more, push harder, or give up. We didn't realize that the, the depth and the subtlety that the intentionality could, uh, could, could, could reach. You know, just the intention to be patient and to sustain that, and to not give up, to penetrate, not to react, to begin to suffuse compassion into the heart, kindness. There's something else we didn't really know. We didn't really know what love was. We thought it was liking things, or feeling excited, passionate. We realize love is, could be just a natural sympathy that occurs really almost at a tissue level, almost at the level of the skin sense there's a being here there's a being here and something resonates 
and from that place, what can I, what's needed, what's, what's worthwhile, what's beautiful to offer. This first arising of Jitta's pure intention. Pure because it doesn't ask for anything, which is what's needed. Inclined towards uh, one's experience with a heart without fear, guilt, obligation, pressure, uh, desperately trying to make things work, just inclined towards experience with a quality of goodwill, compassion, and trust. You don't have to be the way you should be. Just have to have loving acceptance for the way it is now, and it will change. This is something else we didn't know. We thought we had to make things change. We thought we had to make something happen. We thought we had to do something to get it together. And say, well, that's true to a certain degree. But what you have to do, if you like, is bring citta out you know, through this quality of right attention, right intention, aspiration, goodwill, it rises up, and then what does it need to do? <clears throat> and generally it begins to you know, reveal some of the some of its burdens, uh, and you can't really release them until there's been an experience of them. You can't release them until you've experienced them, felt them, not just thought about them, or worried about them, or blamed, blamed yourself for them, or blamed somebody else for them. You can't release them until you've just felt them as they are. This is to be felt directly, known directly as it is, with no future to it, no past to it, and no self to it, and no other person to it. It's the feeling there. What does it need? <laughs> and you say to the feeling, please, more. Oh, come. Compassion. And it change, move, shift of its own accord. That's what we do. And we linger. Something else we didn't really know how to do. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean hanging around waiting for something else to happen. It doesn't mean going stagnant. It doesn't mean being paralyzed and frozen. It means just holding an open space, letting things shift and change. And this mudita quality, where is the, where's the beauty now? Where's the freshness now? Where's the quality of things shifting and changing and releasing now? Can you linger around that, stay with it? So that this process can be encouraged and furthered. And the force of ignorance doesn't get in and close it shut. Force of ignorance always says, oh, well, that's over, or that's yesterday, or 
that's his fault, or well, that's just the way I am, close it. Nothing I can do about that, close it. That's ignorance. Ignorance puts the restriction on, you can feel it, clamp down. End retreat, clamp. That's it. Back to ignorance again. (laughs) (laughs) You had a break. (laughs) Clamp, shut down. Because you're only this. That's all you are. I am. And I've got to do, here it goes. I've got to be, here it goes. Clamp, restriction. What's a restricted by? What's an I am anyway? What is it? Sanya Sankara, kind of nebulous ghost with familiar sounds, voices, strange hungry ghost with sounds and voices and movements that you know quite well. Where did it it take you? Where did it take you? It took you to Dukkha. You follow the line. Took you to limitation. Took you to birth, aging, and death. Because that's what I am's abounded by birth, aging, sickness, and death. Separation from the loved. Association with the disliked. Not getting what they want. That's what I am's abounded by. Restricted by. The targeter has finished with that. So it's to bear in mind, you know, when you you uh, during practice time, whether it's just doing retreat time or you're sitting quietly at home, you know, if you say, "Well, I, you know, just because the bell rang didn't mean the practice finished." Certainly, the landscape finishes, the wallpaper finishes, the tonalities shift and change. You know, now we go into something more brisk, urgent, random, you know, coming all directions. Yeah, it's very challenging when you move out of retreat, absolutely. All the reactions come in your familiar world, particularly it's the place where you live. Familiar world with all its I am's built in it comes sailing in. So, and a restriction. So that's why we have to really consider these truths. There's there's definitely something to practice, even to just keep deeply considering, deeply thinking about. What is the first noble truth? There is dukkha. Birth is dukkha. Why is birth dukkha? Because birth means coming into a sense of a separate form. If you've been born, you come into a separate form. Once you're a separate form, and you know that, then you sense there's a world around you. It's not you. The world around you could be people, could be incense, it could be warmth or coldness, you're in that. And that's going to challenge you. 
Yeah, there's a separation. And the people world will hurt and entice and sometimes comfort you. But it will always be, you're separate from it. You can never, you know, if you're in that, in that state of comparing yourself to others, that's dukkha. Wondering what other people think of you, that's dukkha. Having a fixed idea of what other people think about you, that's dukkha. Feeling you should be something to not, not let everybody else down, that's dukkha. <laughs> and then losing people you love, that's big dukkha. Yeah? Worrying about children, that's dukkha. That happens because of birth. That alone, you're in a separate world, a separate of existence, where what's all around you are things you can't control, but you can't not be experiencing. It's not going to be the way you want it to be. That's dukkha. That's birth. Jati mm. dukkha. Aging is dukkha. Loss of sense faculties. Loss of speed. Discomfort. Degeneration of tissues. Dukkha. Death. Lost. Yeah. Fear of it. Pain of it. You say, well, this is, this is dukkha, you think, well, not, not much I can do about that, is there? Well, he says, yeah, within that, this, it's the upadana kanda. If you recollect the Four Noble Truths, it's not getting what you don't want, not getting what you do want, not being able to fulfill your wishes, your dreams, your aims. Yeah. It's dukkha. But right at the bottom of it, in brief, he says, to summarize, it's the five upadhanakanda, the five clung-at aggregates, or the five aggregates that support clinging, the five aggregates where clinging begins to, or is, is embedded. Mm-hmm. The sanya, uh, rupa, clinging to form as self, myself, yourself, separate. Yeah. Don't like the look of him. You know, she looks better than I do. Clinging to form. Vedana. Clung, stuck, attached. When Vedana touches the grasp, the resistant, or have it, hold it. Sanya, perceptions, impressions, which seem to be you know, evading us. Perceptions. Is when the world around you enters you. And it's with the moment when the world around you enters you. You know that contact is called inside and sound. Something enters you. Oh, oh, it's oh, 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 ah, oh. <laughs> contact. The, the, the reaction to that. And the Buddha said, contact is like imagine a cow with the skin stripped off, the flies biting the cow, whichever way it turns, flies bite the cow, goes into the water, the water creatures bite the cow, get onto land, the creatures of the land, the insects bite the cow, 
running around, the cow is always bitten, stung. This is it's called this is contact. The Buddha's images were very strong. Because these these because you know we don't see it like that. Oh, this is quite nice really, I don't see the problem. <laughs> but if you review it and meditate, you see that, that jumping up, that jumping up, rushing out, hit, it's just shaken by this. What do you do about it? Seems to be pretty much normal. Sankara. Formations and constructions that occur as that touch hits you. The urgencies, the resistance, the rush. No, no, there's something you can do about that. Now, this is where we really enter that dealing with the sankara. Because if you don't rush, resist, jump, practice like that, what begins to occur is the contact doesn't have the same effect, it doesn't sting, because contact itself is sankara. So if we are able to check our impulse, well it's just that, just a momentary recognition it can subside. This is meditation. Some of that contact is your thought. Ding, bites. Thought bites you like a little mosquito. It starts sucking. Thought bites you like a fly. Runs around, bites somewhere else. Thoughts. Shut up, go away, stop it. But uh, it's already happened. So what you cultivate is just learning to relax. And then you can find that you begin to experience something else that Jitta can experience, which is a certain tone of steadying, comfort, ease. Strange enough, the thoughts don't bite. They flicker past, they wash over. And these horrible memories and horrible dispositions that begin to become more apparent as you stop in, you kind of go to meditation, you know, and just drop into what you're, what's happening. All these thoughts and emotions and moods they start to wash over. The more you cultivate that non-fighting, non-passion, non-resistance, non-fascination, it doesn't bite, it washes over. Not conceiving, not constructing a world or a self or a person. It washes over and you begin to sense within this is an inner peace. Within this is a peace. Within the world is a peace. Within this body and mind is an ending of the world. And that's uh, what was the hinge point? The hinge point was just this. The craving that arises when the contact touches. The craving to not be affected. The desperate thirst to be left alone. You know? The urge to feel that you're okay and people like you. 
the urge, the desperate passion to feel that you know you're doing well and nobody will blame you ever <laughs> again. <laughs> Have a bad, never had a, never have a bad mental state. That urge, just you'll be okay. You'll get over it. You'll get over the, the grief and the rage and the fear, and you'll get over the happiness as well. Sense of oh, wonderful, careful. It's just sankara contact. Do you want to? Yeah, personally, I'd like to have agreeable contact 24 hours a day, that's fine with me. But, uh, you know, in the nature of contact, it's artwardly agreeable, it doesn't feel so agreeable anymore, it gets a bit boring, you know, something different. You know, I feel warm, I feel healthy, I feel well fed, nobody's bothering me, I still feel a bit restless. Because <laughs> it's no longer, the contact's no longer exciting me. That's exactly it. If the contact doesn't excite you, then it, it doesn't get in. So when it's pleasant and comfortable, it no longer, you no longer really appreciate it. Oh, bored, restless, maybe some of this would be nice. Right? That's how it happens. So, that's how it happens. So we're trying to cultivate around our and as it happens, what occurs is the telltale sign that you should look in, look out for when things are going right. Oh, I'm fine, I'm doing pretty good, this is that, I'm okay, I'm right, yeah. I do this tomorrow, so and so and so, she's there, and I'm here, that's fine. Danger. <laughs> <laughs> I am has arisen, the permanent world has arisen, the future has arisen, other people has arisen, there's definite fixed realities. Danger. You're on, going to slide and then crash out of the hand. <laughs> this is depressing. <laughs> it's not meant to be, but um, you know the Buddha couldn't help tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. And you don't like it, you don't have to accept it. But just out of earnestness to tell the truth, you know. Just put it there, witness, watch, see for yourself. You start sliding into automatic, then you're going to crash. <clears throat> and you won't notice it until you've crashed, and then what went wrong? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's ignorance, you're not paying attention, seeing things as permanent, self as other people, as the world. <clears throat> and these are experiences that touch the jitta, the jitta experiences of perceptions of comfort, of ease, of distress. Notice that. Just relaxing, being, con being aware of the sankhara, the formations that arise with that. And it's the thirst for the uh, agreeable and the distaste of the disagreeable and the kind of clinging, this is the origin of dukkha. 
And you might, as you cultivate, you begin to be able to put that together. So the noble truth is through that dispassionate letting go. There's a monastery I've been at where they uh, have it's out in the forest and the bees lots of, you have to live with these creatures, snakes and elephants and insects. You have to coexist with them because it's very simple. Uh, many of the uh, there's, some of them, there's only a few huts. Most people just live on these platforms, just like a bamboo platform out in the jungle with a, maybe a, a place where you can hang a, a, an awning, a cover, a mosquito, you know, you'd see it completely out there. <laughs> Bear comes by, you've got to coexist. Elephant comes by, you've got to pay respect, you know. Yeah, so you've got to coexist. And one of the things that occurs is the bees come, and the bees like, so they like the, the salt from your body, so they just start crawling over you. The bees crawling over your skin, itchy, and got tied up because they nibble the salt. You've got a scratchy feeling around your face, and over your head, and generally, of course, more sweaty pieces on your body that will cling around. You just got to don't move because if you suddenly start flapping your arms, they're going to sting you. So you just sit there and the bees. <laughs> May you be happy, bees. May you be happy. <laughs> It does help. You just think, oh, I appreciate they're getting some food, you know, I could do some service here. So just... And the contact changes. You find it quite endearing. Bees could find you a source of pleasure. <laughs> and then when they finish, they have their film, they go off somewhere. And, uh, often these. Uh, Monasteries, that's the way it is. The termites take over your kuti. That's it, you know. Where I live, these the cockroaches used to come out in the evening. So I'd be lying on the floor, and for the cockroaches come and start nibbling on your toes. Don't be killed, is it? You feel that nibbling um, mandibles chewing the hard skin off your feet. <laughs> The idea, oh, disgusting cockroach, yuck, yuck, yuck. that's an idea. What you feel is just nibbling contact, nibbling your toes, not that bending the dog nibbling your toes. And a cockroach doesn't do much harm. Okay, relax, let go. <laughs> and this is good, good practice, our contact. There's their impact, and then there's the impact is one thing. But the thing that really drives it is called designation contact, which is what you what you imagine or what you conceive of that. Yeah, if you feel a little nibble, you do that sensation, you think, oh, you know, that's, uh, that's a cockroach. <laughs> but then, uh, what is it? It's just a little it's a tiny sensation. And the reaction changes. Sound, contact of sound, being hit by sound, 
try to be quiet and sound comes in the sound comes in starts stabbing your heart noisy building sign mm-hmm. you know, I shouldn't do this this shouldn't be this way I can have a bit of peace and quiet there's, there's the noise the noise is in your heart the sound is just doing its business Relax, open, say to the sound, please, enjoy yourself, move right in, plenty of room in here, come on in, enjoy yourself, I'm listening to you, interested in various qualities of sound, suffering stops, that's the way we practice, you know, monastery of man is always building going on and where my kutu is right next to where they built the main meditation hall with stone so not always the sound of stone being chipped and sword stone saws it's very abrasive grinding sound it's meditation do it today, you know, I should, I mean, I know, I've been here, I mean, you know, I've got all these practices of marketing come here for this, and uh, oh, Florida's is a monastery, you've got to meditate somewhere, and it's going on, sound doesn't care, what do you think? It was attributed to somebody out there deliberately doing it, so somebody's stabbing you with it, your sankaras are stabbing you with it. <laughs> Sound is just doing its business. It's sitting, sound opening to the movement of sound, the vibration of it, the energy of it, and then the pausing, the silence that comes after it, and then the next one comes in. There's your meditation. Meditation is relaxing the grasp, the defense, the agitation, and the sankarpa arises and makes that contact so intense and um, Bearable thought. I said thought. When you hear these voices running through your mind, I don't see why I should no, not today, I've had enough of this. It's going on. Listen to it like, like you're hearing a river bubbling. You can see next to the river, you hear the water bubbling and seething, like a churning river. Listen to the sound of your mind going, going crazy. Oh, is this a mind going crazy? It's like this. You should never have said that to me. After all, what have I done? I don't deserve it. So never. After all, what do you do about this? It works so hard. Please, more. Could you say some more? And so you work against the, the Sankara which grits its teeth and fights. Because <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it does that because you don't know what love is. You don't know what that opening and softness and gentleness is. And how to soothe and warm the heart. Uh, so it's through this, through sustaining that uh, 
sati and also that uh, intelligence to know what is happening. The sound is happening, the touch is happening, the smell is happening. You have no, that's because of birth. That's because of birth. You know, the sound is happening because of birth. Because, you know, you came into a form with ears, <laughs> you hear sound. That's, that's what, why it's happening to you. Not because of somebody else, but because you were born. That's the direct experience of what's happening. Because of consciousness. Didn't have any ears, it would be a problem. If you're born with the six sense consciousnesses, you get sound. Sound is like this. We're in a world of sound. We're in a world of touch, of sight, and it stings. But the sting can go out when the release of grasping. Grasping is release means the release of craving. For, for, for what not, what's not here. Craving for what's not here. This idea, this hope, this search. And we and just deal with what is here. Deal with what is here. With the mind. Intelligence, deep goodwill, it's all right to suffer. You can't help it, but you can investigate it. There's nothing wrong with you, but you can investigate it. It's not because you're such a bad person. That even if you were, that doesn't solve it. <laughs> the person, you start to think of the person, you don't get out of suffering. You think of the past, you don't get out of suffering. You think of what you should be, you won't get out of suffering. You think of what other people did to you, you won't get out of suffering. This is a place to get out of suffering. Right? <laughs> Direct experience, contact, sanya, sankara. Release the grasp. Cultivate what it takes to release the grasp. Both the wisdom to know you're grasping at something that cannot be controlled and held. The I am arises with passion. <coughs> the passion for grasping is where the I am arises. And it, and it locks. But with the relinquishment of the I am, you know, the grasping releases the passion subsides. Suffering can end. Just for this moment, in this instance, you do it, you get it once or twice, what happened? How did I do that? How did I do that? I'd like to do that again. I did it last year. I'd like to be able to do that again. What did I do to make that happen? Because I managed to do it three years ago on the retreat. I'd like to do it again. Which particular things are doing to help me to do it? <laughs> Suffering. <laughs> because the I am comes in, the past comes in, 
<laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's all right to have that idea. We can have that idea, oh, yeah, I know. But you've got to translate that back into, you know, because it's, a, it's the way our speech is. We talk about, oh, I am this, I'm going here, I'm going there. I did this, that's conventional speech, but you've got to always trace back to the direct handling as it arises of the, the dukkha that you shouldn't have. Because last year you, got, you managed to solve it, so how come it's come back again? When you're on retreat you got pretty cool, and how come it's like this now? So it has to be constantly recurringly severed, recurringly terminated, recurringly terminated. Because the instances of suffering are one thing, which you, yeah, you can terminate, but the underlying tendency, the I am tendency, which is the underlying tendency that brings it all back again, this takes a bit more. And for that you need the Eightfold Path, is the Fourth Noble Truth. So this ending of Dukkha can be just poof. And it's like that. That's, that's great, but it's not adequate. That's why we were taught before. And this again is, is quite um, phenomenal, really. I mean, really is astounding. Really is. Because you do see um, and you hear instances of people who are, you know, insurance salesman stressed out, goes off into the desert for 10 years and has a realization uh, of something or the other. As you just said, it doesn't have a path. You get various uh, beings, people who've had these spontaneous breakthroughs, but then they say they don't have the kind of life path that is so um, foundational for Dhamma practice. You can't be always at the ending of suffering because there's probably a bit more left. <laughs> but you have like a certain boundary, a certain container, and a certain lifestyle that helps you to integrate the, the, uh, the non-suffering, the, the dropping of selfhood, the release of grasping, the relinquishment of craving, you know, the generation of goodwill, spaciousness, compassion that helps to integrate it into what you're doing so that you're constantly turning away from those grasping I am tendencies in your speech, in your action, in your livelihood in your relationships with other people you're constantly realizing those points keep coming up the I am points keep coming up there it is, there it is, once you you have an insight begin to know that I am as, a, as a, something happens to the chitta, it starts to heat. It starts to get a little bit of passion and, and tighten up a little bit. Yeah? And there it is again. We have to start to have an argument because she thinks, sees things differently from I do. And why doesn't she see it my way? It's pretty obvious to me. It's this and this. Why doesn't she see that? I mean, I'll just say it again. Why doesn't she see it? I'll, I'll tell her again. Now, she's getting heated up. 
because she refuses to see the truth of what I'm saying. I mean, how stupid can you get? I'll, I'll tell her again, and she's getting even more heated up. <laughs> Just shows you what you're dealing with. Argumentative people with passion, not like me, who are clear and logical and reasonable person. <laughs> uh oh, something wrong here. <laughs> How clear, logical, reasonable people start to get go red in the face and get heated up. <laughs> I think we need to just pause and I wonder what really what's happening for you. I'm interested in your point of view. I'm interested in your point of view. I know my point of view already. <laughs> I got that. I want to hear your point of view. Could you tell me more? Yeah. So you begin to sense the I am has to come. I'll put that to one side. Let's get into the we sense. And how the we sense, if I really get where you're at, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I suggest this, and what do you think about that? I'm just go kind of moving around between us. And, mm, okay, seems about right. It's not quite the way I saw it, but better to be in harmony, isn't it? And then what occurs when you're in harmony? Suddenly, what a great, she's great. I really love her. She's so wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's such fun working with her. That's what happens. Every time. And yet, when you are full of your own opinion, so right, and heat was there, the passion was there, the conviction was there, the, this is the only way. Of, you're just losing a friend, you know. You're grasping. What's your, how is it for you? Let's see how we can find the middle way, which is the we way. This is the end of the separation, the ending of birth, right? Birth is birth into separation. And we tend to still conceive of of separation. I want to be in enlightened being, Uh, which sounds reasonable. But um, in, you know, in actual living practice, you can't hold yourself, you can't hold a self as separate. From, from, because that holding a separate is already birth and dukkha. Doesn't mean you're going to be exactly the way she is. It means that there's a middle place where these separatenesses can soften. You've arrived. And this really potential for dukkha has stopped. And instead there's a potential for warmth, humour, enjoyment, learning, warm-heartedness. This is going, you know, simple word love. Doesn't mean you're romantically hooked up sense of mutual appreciation, nice energy flowing. That's what it is. It should be a normal, normal mode for human beings. Because <laughs> we are, you know, because the separation is so enriching, so enriching when you feel the non-separation. You feel like in harmony with others. 
come out of that pain, distinction, energy flows, and you're uplifted. So we could be that for each other. It takes a bit of work finding out where you're stuck, where she's stuck. She's stuck on this, okay, we have to wait for a while with that and reassure and see what the issues are and give her time and you know, what you need, help. So we can perhaps listen some of this tension, passion subsides and perhaps possibility for tiny changes to occur. Be very patient with each other. Because we're not really here in this life for I am. Any of it. We're not here, this jitter is not, it has to get out of the I am. We're not here for any perfection of I am, any supremacy of I am, any I am being in control of things. We're not here for that. This is dukkha. And this is the dukkha that's strangling people and strangling the jitter. You can see the results. You know, the more that that separative tendencies occur, you can see the results. You get the massive divisions between people, and you get the massive divisions between nations, and you get liberals and conservatives hating each other, you get communists and democrats fearing each other, you get you know different religious sects hating each other, killing each other, bombing each other. Then and all the passion, and they, they did this to my grandfather 50 years ago, and get my revenge on them. What they did to my grandfather's people, you know, get my revenge on those, and wipe them out. You know, the past, the I am's, the separatenesses. I want to be the one who's got the supreme, my, my club, my tribe. Eventually, me <laughs> on top of it all. <laughs> and you look around the world and think, God, that's not so far from the truth, is it? You're the maniac running the world. You know, what's some good psychopath amongst the world leaders? You think, I wouldn't want to be in a room with this guy. <laughs> They're very difficult people and, and completely inflamed with their own sense of self importance. That's power, that's what it does. Massive on hands. And, you can look, and, you can, and then you think, well, actually, that's the disease. And what's happening here? Am I working against that to any degree? Even a little bit going in the right direction. So we cultivate the path. Look at some of these tendencies. You see, this is no, this is a very good. Well, maybe it is. Maybe you understand it. You get some of that. Yeah. But then, what are the structures that help you to do that? Right? This is why we have puja, for example. We just keep aligning ourselves to something timeless. You know, not national, not personal, not. You know, if we really enter the heart and celebrate, it's not even. Celebrating the Buddha 2,500 years ago, celebrating awakening now, the potential for it. The Buddha said, you know, when this body is gone, when this, you see, call this the Buddha, when it's gone, it's gone. 
no point praying to me. <laughs> it's gone. I give you the Dhamma Vinaya. <laughs> yeah? And so that's something that you can begin to reiterate and celebrate and participate in with a sense of just devotion and acknowledgement to any bit of it. Dhamma is many, many facets. Just picking up one little piece. Sadhitiko, direct, kalako, timeless, openayiko, available, relevant. That which invites you in. Come in. You know that even that welcoming quality. This is why we chant, because it opens our bodies up, gets something bringing forth your voice and hearing those timeless phrases. This is just a useful, I think it's a very useful mark to begin the day with. You just do that for 15 minutes and then let the sound go and sit, see what happens. Hmm? But certainly very helpful to create in your living environment a holy place, both in your heart, in your living space, and in your time. This is the time for this. This is the time when the world stops. If it's half an hour, good. An hour, fantastic. Every day, that's great. As best you can, yeah. You know? Make it so it's something you love. And it reaches you. Not an impossible standard of, of mind, you know, total mindful focus on breathing in and out without wavering. That's gonna not gonna be very happy standard. <laughs> the time for acceptance. <laughs> and noticing the good and remembering it and see where that goes. See where that takes you. Jitta is an intelligence, so if you start responding Jitta in a kindly and cooperative and encouraging way, it will rise up, it will shine, it will, it will carry you. You start beating it up, it won't. Yeah. So you just keep this encouraging, you know, like, a, like you're talking to an infant. Come on, come over here. It will, it will rise up, it will be strong. Create those, the, that special place, create boundaries around your duties. Sila Bhatta Paramasa isn't just, you know, uh, being attached to particular forms of chanting, it's about everything you do systematically. Your day, your duties, how we get identified with I'm a dentist, I'm a teacher, that's what I am. No, you're not. That's just, uh, you weren't born for that, you were born to live. This is something you do, and it can shape and form you. There's also time to take, wrap, take, undo the wrapping. They call you this, but that's what they call you. So we have to take them absolutely necessary. With all the energies it carries, the pressure to achieve, pressure to achieve, the concern about not getting in mind, fear of other people's opinions, all this. Sometimes, uh, look, it doesn't, it, it's like, it's always like that, it's like that, it's like that for me. You know, it's Abbot, people call you the Abbot. They call you the abbot. 
and you don't know what you're supposed to do. There's no being told what I'm supposed to do. So go and go and be the Abba. What are you doing? Well, I'll just be there and practice. And then give a talk now and then. But everybody else knew what I was supposed to do. It was fulfill their desires. <laughs> they didn't tell me what they were, but it was make this work, make that work, make this get rid of this person, make this go away, make this better. But okay, then figure this out and be what the model for me. And so on and so on and so on. And then you think you can't do it. And you just got to be meeting that. And you know, beautifully enough, if you're in a community of practitioners, people begin to experience and recognize their projections and their wishes. And go, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. We search for someone to make things work for me. Yeah. You're the teacher, make the pain go away. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. Uh, I can encourage you and give you the, some ideas of how you could do it, but it's going to take some. This is going to hurt. Get it right on day one. <laughs> if you persevere, it will give you joy and release like nothing else, because it hurts in the right places. And it's not in your knees. It's not there. It's in your heart. You release that, you feel it was worth it. It was worth a bit of the despair and the anguish and the irritation because you have a sense of unrestricted chitta, or restricted with less restriction. And this, you know, this is rare, this is beautiful. This isn't in the birth, aging, sickness, and death category. This is something else. You need to realize the chitta. Truthfully, so cultivate and encouraging your practice. So when you leave here, that you've been held carefully in a contained situation with sense restraint and uh, precepts and uh, you know, stillness and soothing tones and that. Well, yeah, that, that's disappearing. So you have to. Build those for yourself. You can try to build those for yourself in where you're living, how you're living. Learn to soothe and comfort yourself. Learn to create boundaries around where you go, what you do, what you give attention to. Create boundaries and restraint around that. Don't get strung out into all the thousands and thousands of things there are. Yeah. And seek Kalyanamita, noble company, wherever, whenever you can. It's offers for your consideration. Sadhu, sadhu.